you can have success you can like genuinely i genuinely believe you can create whatever you want to create in your life and i'm an example that you can create whatever you want but it comes with hard work it comes with tripping over it comes with some days where i'm on calls at 1am success is actually how you feel about your life and and what whatever you define success as for yourself because i think very often people strive for their kind of what society perceives as success as in the house the car the career the followers but we don't encourage people to think for themselves what is your definition of success hey everybody welcome to the grow yourself podcast i'm your host kevin mcnulty and this is your personal development school of growth where each week my guests and i will bring and break down big ideas and practices that will help you learn grow and succeed in life thanks for checking us out now let the growth begin welcome everybody to another episode of grow yourself you know, I want to read something that I found uh, on, on, on my guest's website who we're about to have a nice conversation. And, and let me just read this to you. It says, we are the most comfortable generation there has ever been in the history of the world. We have more possibilities and opportunities than there ever have been on this planet. We have quicker and easier access to more resources than ever before with the world literally at our fingertips. Yet, we are more unhappy, stressed, anxious, worried, and depressed than ever before. Now, think about that. I, you know, I don't know uh, the validity of all, all of that. I certainly, we can all look online and see a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of negativity. So I, I tend to believe that there's some something behind that. But then she goes on to say, life doesn't have to be that way, though. In fact, that's not why we are here and how we are meant to go through this amazing opportunity we have been given uh, you know, on this very brief experience we have on this wonderful uh, planet. And those were the words by my guest, uh, Nina Shevchik. She, uh, so let me just tell you about her. But um, you know, when the bottom dropped out of Nina's world on New Year's Eve, in 2022, she resolved to be better, not bitter, to carry wisdom, not wounds, and to live a life of love, not hatred. Out of her experience, she was born a midlife revolution, uh, where she details all the steps she took on the journey to rebuild her life. Nina writes from her whole life experience and brings simple yet profound understanding to how we can uh, find fulfillment, meaning, purpose. Whatever your situation, this book and this interview, by the way, will help you find ways to live your life, the life that you want, and to be the person you want to be. By harnessing the, uh, the same courage and determination, you can embrace all the joys of being alive and know that anything is possible. So, ladies and gentlemen, I want to uh, welcome my, my guest here, Nina, thank you so much for joining me on Grow Yourself. Thank you so much for having me, Kevin. And thank you so much for the great introduction. I really appreciate it. And I'm really, really happy to be here. Well, you know, we, we haven't met before. I have, uh, you know, per perhaps briefly. Did we meet on the NPS site? We did. Yes, yeah. that's right. So we met briefly. And I recall there, but also on some other videos that I saw, you, you're just, you not only have uh, enthusiasm, but you're a delightful person. And, and I just, I enjoy speaking to nice people. Let's just put it that way. So listen, before we get started, let me just ask, you know, 
who is Nina uh, Shevchek? You know, just tell us a little bit about, maybe about who you are, you know, where are you speaking to us from right now and so forth. Who is Nina? So Nina, so I'm a, a girl. I don't actually know why I call myself a girl because I'm definitely past the girl age. Um, <laughs> so I'm a midlife woman, let's say. Uh, I call myself a, a global citizen and also a forever foreigner because originally I'm from Poland, um, but at the age of 20, I decided that if I want to create the life that I wanted, um, I had to basically learn English, um, which I never had before. So I packed one bag, took a 24-hour bus journey from Poland to the UK because I thought, where better to land than in the UK? I mean, North America would have been great, but a little bit fast, especially on yeah. the bus. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. So I arrived to the UK, didn't speak a word of the language, didn't know anyone, but I thought, you know, I'll figure it out somehow. And initially came for a few months, but ended up staying 18 years. I created a life that was, you know, life way beyond my wildest dreams with the career, the marriage, the dogs, the holidays and everything else. And then that life, as you mentioned, um, uh, kind of uh, took a wild turn, let's say, on a New Year's Eve 2021, 2022. Um, so I um, I did a similar thing to what I did when I was 20, and I sold, gave away, donated everything that I had, and I took a one-way ticket to Canada, took my two Dalmatians with me, and uh, so we went traveling across Canada, uh, but I had to come back in January to support someone's health in the UK, so I'm actually currently uh, speaking to you from the UK. So I'm, I'm someone who just loves life, loves adventure, loves learning, um, and believes that life is a miracle and we're all here for a reason. Oh man, I love to hear that. You know, so let me just ask then about, um, you know, about when you were 20, you know, it's, you're not that old, but it's still, I think sometimes hard to get your mind back into what was I thinking when I was 20? Well, I'll, I'll just speak for myself, but you know, what were you thinking at 20? I mean, what gives you this sort of, uh, this, this energy at 20 years old, to go, you know, I think I just want to really start over somewhere, do something real. I mean, what, what goes through your head when you're 20 years old, desiring to make such a big change in your life? Yeah, I, this is a great question, actually, Kevin, because I sometimes wonder whether I was crazy or naive or <laughs> what <laughs> or was all. going yeah. on, <laughs> what was going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but mainly... Um, so I lived on my own because my mom moved to Italy when I was 17 and I'm the only child. So uh, I lived on my own for a while. And as I was finishing school and going to university, I actually started studying engineering. Um, and three months into studying engineering, I realized that I will never, ever make a useful engineer. <laughs> so I thought, OK, the good grades got me into the school, but actually finishing it is not going to be any good for me or for anyone who will ever interact with me in an engineering capacity. Should oh, I finish it? So I thought, okay, well, there's no point in me carrying on for five years with something that I know this isn't, you know, it's not going to be useful in any way, shape or form. So what's the next best thing that I can do? And I thought, well, if I want to achieve something, I have to learn English because I learned German my whole life. So I couldn't actually afford lessons in Poland. Hence, let's just come to the UK and learn, you know, here. That's why I thought it would be a few months and then I enroll into something else um, at university in Poland and I go back to Poland and I never did. But 
what was I think what was going on from my head is, is sheer determination actually of you know I'm here and I have to make the most out of my time and I have to make it work somehow and I'm not gonna lie the first six months were were awful like awful I was crying on the phone to my mom on a regular basis going I, I don't know what to do um and she would say to me you know why don't you go back home I'll send you some money but I was so determined I was like no I'm 20 years old I need to take responsibility for myself and I need to take the lessons that life is trying to teach me here but it was difficult because you feel isolated, you feel lonely, you don't yes. speak the language, you don't know anyone. You know, there is lots of Polish people over in the UK now, but back then that wasn't the case. Mm. There was lots of rules, like you couldn't rent a house if you didn't have a bank account, you couldn't have a bank account if you didn't rent a house. So lots of things like this that were that were tricky, and plus you're on your own with everything and you genuinely have not a clue what's going on. And also I had never, ever even been to the UK for a minute before then. Oh, so, wow. you know, the culture is very different like everything is different so you're just throwing yourself into the deep end with no clue and you know back then there wasn't a smartphone <laughs> with a google map or a translator like yeah. these things didn't exist yeah. um but in a way i think i actually miss that now because it gives you a sense of achievement if you got on the wrong bus and suddenly you had to figure out how to get back or you didn't know where you were when you finally made your way back you were like i did it right it felt like a sense of achievement whereas now yeah. because your phone tells you what to do and where to go. You, you don't have the same sort of challenge. But yeah, um, I think what was going on through my head was, I, you know, I am 20 years old now. I have to take responsibility for myself. And if I want to have a great life and I want to achieve something, I have to make whatever, you know, needs to happen um, to make yeah. sure that I do it. You know, I wonder, do, do many 20-year-olds, I'm trying to think now, I don't think I did, I think I ended up having to go into the Air Force because maybe I got in trouble or something like this. But, but I, you know, I wonder: Do most twenty-year-olds think uh, it's time for me to take responsibility for myself? Do do most think that, or do you do you say, or or do they just sort of, uh, you know, uh, sort of fall into their life? You know, I think it's tricky. I think especially with the younger generations now. Like, I obviously came from very different culture, from a culture where, you, you know, you have to work hard and, you know, you have to make things happen for yourself. And yeah. I didn't have, you know, I didn't have money. I didn't have connections. So I was in a completely different reality to a lot of people now. Like, now we are so much more comfortable. Now there is so much more access. You know, now people yeah. go and, you know, make money online, <laughs> be a YouTuber, whatever. These things, like, none of that existed um back in the day so I sound, make myself sound really old but that is true none of those things existed and I think now I think that the more challenging thing now is that it's very easy to go online see everyone's highlight reels and feel like you're a failure and you're misery and you're not going to be ever successful you know at a very young age because you're comparing yourself to you know whatever's going on in the online world which is not true no. so I, and obviously because I didn't grow up with it I look at it and I know it's not real and it doesn't bother me I don't have an attachment to likes or whatever you know comparing myself to others but i think for the younger generations that is really hard because that's what they've yes. grown up with now yes. so i think it, it can feel daunting and difficult equally i think they're definitely there's there's people that are much more comfortable with their parents you know parents are definitely uh looking after their kids for longer there is more yeah. comfort and like people you know move away from home but still bring washing to mom you know, or come home for dinners <laughs> and right. so on. And I think that's lovely, but that just wasn't an option to a degree, for me. Yes. Yeah. Oh, very, very good. I, I love what you're saying there. And I think what you're saying is very, very interesting about the internet and about the idea that, uh, and I try to encourage young people, <clears throat> you know, 
realize that when you're looking at something on the internet, it, this is your perception of what's happening. It may or may not be real, but maybe to your point, to look at the internet, maybe see something that you can aspire to, but understand there's a lot behind there that you don't know, and it's not reality necessarily. Does that make sense? Absolutely, absolutely. And actually, I, um, because I do a lot of work with neuroscience and psychology also, you know, what you feed your brain with is paramount with how you shape your reality and, and you know, how you're feeling and, and how your thoughts shape your reality and the life that you're creating. And I think it's really key that, you know, if you are on the internet, be on it, but look for content that inspires, that teaches, that shows you something, you know, like, I don't, I don't really watch a lot of things. I don't, you know, I try not to watch the news and so on, because I, if there's something going on that I need to know, people will tell me, or I'll find out. There's no way not to be informed. But point. consciously, I'm making an effort to follow accounts and follow people who have done something that I want to do, who have mastered something I want to master, who I aspire to be like, who inspire me. So if you feed yourself with that sort of content, that's much better than, you know, looking at content that actually gets you down. Or if you wake up and the first thing you do is obviously see how many bad things are going in the world. Well, then right from the get go, you're having a bad day because you're thinking the world is a bad place. There's so many terrible things going on. And yes, there are always things going on in the world, but there always have been in the history of the yeah. world and there always will be the majority of them you have no control or influence over. And a lot of the times, you know, like people worry about things that are happening in a country that most of the time they couldn't even point on the map. And I'm not saying don't worry, but if you, you know, if you can't control or have any influence over there's so many things, then decide where you can contribute in a positive way, you know? And that contribution doesn't have to be wow. you being involved in a lot of things. But if you are, you know, if you want world peace, it starts with us. You need to be at peace. You need to be peaceful. You need to build peaceful communities, you know, bring peace to your friends. That's how you make a difference in the world. You don't have to be involved in everything everywhere because in that way, you just run yourself into the ground and actually don't help anyone. Wow, that's so beautifully said. I don't recall, I think it was Stephen Covey. It may have somebody, somebody else who said that anytime that you think the problem is out there, that is the problem. You see that, that, that we always perceive that all the problems taking place there. And to your point, if you want pearl, world peace, I mean, to start with yourself. I mean, that's, that's, that's not just a platitude, that's something real. But let me ask you, Nina, so about the person, the young person, and, and just for our audience, we're gonna get to Nina's book. I'm gonna ask her about her business right now. But uh, before that, for the young person that looks at the internet and you know, they see all these aspiring things, but it has this effect of bringing them down because they think, oh man, that's just, you know, that's just a lot. I'm not there. I'm not at that level. What, what do you say to them? Don't ever compare your first step with someone else's 20th or 1,000th step, first of all. You never know what's behind it. I, uh, say I that again, actually. Please, you got to say that one more time. <laughs> Don't, don't ever compare your first step with someone else's 20th or a thousand step wow. because you, you don't know what's behind someone's mm -hmm. story. And of course, as I mentioned, the stories are highlight reels and very often, and this is what I think mm -hmm. frustrates me within the coaching industry where you see all these adverts of like make $10,000 a day or, you know, you're going to have coaching clients rolling in. Like I basically was born yesterday. Look at me today, a millionaire. Like none of that is true. None of it is real. And I think it actually creates a bad reputation for the industry. 
um, that is very nice. powerful, but those things are not real. And very often when you dig in, and I've been doing this for a while, so I know and I know what the stories behind these things are. And I'm not saying that none of them are real, but predominantly majority of them are either exaggerated or not showing you the full picture. For example, you see someone who suddenly becomes, I don't know, an influencer or whatever coach, um, and they have got lots of lots of followers from the get-go and they've got lots of clients and whatever. Great. What are they not telling you is that for the past 10 or 15 years, they were in the network marketing industry and actually have built a massive network then. That's where the followers and the clients came from. They didn't just come, you know, straight from school or they didn't just come straight out of corporate world career and had that. There's always background and there's always things and there's always lessons and there's always pain and there's always things that are not shared. So what you see is like, look at me and, you know, and I understand they're like from, you know, rags to riches or from zero to hero. I understand the appeal of all of this. But to me, authenticity is so much more important. And actually saying, you know, you can have success. You can like genuinely, I genuinely believe you can create whatever you want to create in your life. And I'm an example that you can create whatever you want. But it comes with hard work. It comes with tripping over. It comes with some days where I'm on calls at 1 a.m. Equally, maybe the next day I don't get up until 10. I don't have to turn up to the office right now. But there's always balance and there's always things that you don't know. So it's to me, authenticity and saying, you know, some days are great and you have clients and other days you're just like, wow, what was today all about? I literally feel like nothing went right. That's normal. That's part of the journey, you know, and, and success isn't what you see as the picture. Yeah. Success is actually how you feel about your life and, and what, whatever you define success as for yourself, because I think very often people strive for their kind of what society perceives as success as in the house, the car, the career, or the followers, whatever that may be. But we don't encourage people to think for themselves, what is your definition of success? Because my yes. definition of success is none of those things. My definition of success is actually to be able to get up and feel like I'm living a life that I love and it doesn't matter like what I'm doing or where I am. I'm happy in myself. You know, none of the material things. But that might not be true for you. That might not be true for someone else. And that's absolutely fine. As long as people know what is their definition and that's what they live by rather than trying to live by a definition that's just a you know perception of, of society. Wow, that's just so well said. Uh, I just love what you're saying here because you're getting down to really some practical thinking, you know. And I know you have a, a, a good background in neuroscience and some other things, but I love that you're just putting this in plain language that people can understand. You know, uh, you, you were, I was thinking about, I think it was Horowitz, the, the violinist who somebody walked up, up to him after, after a concert, you know, this, he, was, he was obviously a, a renowned violinist and somebody walked up and said, Mr. Horowitz, I would give my life to play like you. And his response was, I did give my life. You know, I mean, you know, you're not just, I didn't just show up here and, and start doing this. I literally gave my life to be able to play like this. And and that's that's likely what he's proud of. It's not the it's not the necessarily the level at which you perform, but the but the, the amount of work that you put into that you have that you you that people have pride in successful people i think okay so let me ask you this first of all so tell us about your success how did you and then we're gonna ask i'm gonna ask about your book i guess those things are really kind of tied together but tell us what you're doing right now and how you landed at the place that you are right now well i had a very interesting career um i actually ironically i also started within a company where my english was still so poor i didn't realize i applied for a job <laughs> And <laughs> um, so I'm so grateful that they recruited me. I mean, it tells us a lot about the recruitment practices back then. 
but I am. Um, I started off as a Christmas time within a cosmetic company, and I what? actually as progressed cosmetic as a Christmas temporary um, oh, production yeah. assistant. Yeah. So I was uh, basically filling shower gels into bottles or creams, lotions, potions, and yeah, everything to do with with cosmetics, which was fabulous. And I very quickly progressed to a, a manager, and I thought, wow, you know, I'm like really young. My English is not so great. I have no idea about management <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. So I thought, well, I best go to college and learn. So of course, because I wanted to learn quick, because I didn't have time to learn in order to get the role. I was already in the role and I didn't have a clue. Mm. I went for level five um, management leadership diploma. And I still remember sitting in the first like evening lesson. I was the youngest. I was the only one who didn't wear a suit. And I was the only female and the only foreigner. Um, oh. And I remember sitting there going like, wow. And they were talking about stuff. That I was like, I have I have no idea what they're talking about. So I had to uh, sit for the lessons, then run home, translate, reread, you know, do twice as much work until I until I do it. But that's how I got into management, senior management and so on. So I ended up having a 17-year career within the company. Um, and I've done all sorts of roles from management to training to training uh, to training developer to facilitator and people partner. Like literally every two years I was doing something else. I, you know, I was, I was working with transformation and change. But my passion has always been people um, because I and, and leadership also, because I feel like if the leadership is good, that makes a better, you know, better workplace for people and better experience. And I feel very passionate about the fact that we spend so much of our life at work. If you're not happy. Uh, you basically are generating, creating a miserable life, right? So, uh, Amen to that. Yeah. So I, I had a great career there, but I always, um, throughout the time, I continued to study. So I laughed that I never left school because I literally finished one master's and I go for another. But I also, alongside that, I was volunteering for the Chartered Management Institute. I was running my kind of side hustle coaching on the side. So I was always doing a lot of things outside to make sure that I continue to broaden my skills and have holistic experience. So it's not just hands-on or just academic, but actually, you know, I, I learned the theory, I practice it, I experiment with it and so on. So I had a wonderful time. And then when my life took a wild turn, I decided to walk away from everything and start with a blank page. So I walked away from the career, from volunteering, from studies, everything, um, just to basically spend some time and think, okay, what now? Like, what do you really want to do? Because you were on, on a mission to fulfill somebody else's mission, obviously the company's mission for so many years. Like, what is yeah. your mission? Yeah. Um, and that's how yeah. the Midlife Revolution was born um, now, let me at ask, the end though, of last year. That, so let me ask, though, is this something that you can share? The, the, the big thing that happened, was this in 2020? Yeah, I mean, it was. And you don't have yeah. to, I'm just asking, you know. No, no, no. Like every, I have another book about it anyway. Everyone knows. And to be honest, like because um, my work life and personal life had been so connected, like I was, yeah, everyone knew about it anyway. So it's not a secret. But on New Year's Eve 2022, so just over a year ago, um, I found out ironically just after midnight. So until midnight, I had my dream life. The house, the husband, the holidays. We we're going to go to the Maldives in, in a week's time for two weeks. You know, I'm like ready for it because obviously the previous two years were driven by COVID. Mm -hmm. So now I'm like two years of being at home and now I'm finally going to go away. And it, you know, this year is going to be so yeah. much better. And then I found out accidentally that my uh, now ex-husband was living a double life for four years. So since our engagement, so uh, I was like, okay, well, happy, awesome. happy new year. Right. Um, wow. So that's what happened. But because we were also working for the same company, um, 
that's where we met and you know we spent years there the other person also worked there and everything was just so connected and I loved the business and I loved my journey there but in the end I decided that you know what like maybe life is trying to teach me something here and, and I just need to go away and, and start from scratch and and do similar things that I did when I was 20 and basically start with a blank piece of paper and think yeah. okay what is it that I want to do now that's fascinating so um and not to dig too deep into it because I really want to get on to the revolution part, but did you, <clears throat> you know, did it take you a serious amount of time to get over this or did you say, you know what, <laughs> I'm turning, you know, I mean, you know, I'm just curious about that. Cause I, I don't know if you know that I wrote a book on change and transition, major life change and transition. And so I, I talk about this idea that, you know, for some that instant, thing clicks and they say, I'm moving on. And for others, it can take years for them to move on from something they lost, what, whatever it might be. I'm curious, what, what about you? Mm. I think what you talk about in your book and what you just mentioned now is, is the most important thing is the decision. Everything that you do in your life is a decision and the amount of suffering is also a decision. Yes. So I didn't have... Mm. Yeah, I didn't have the approach of like, I'm just going to move on. Like, I was in such a shock. I didn't sure. even know my own name. And to be honest, I the first first few few weeks, I didn't know how I'm going to get from one second to the next. Um, no idea. But right from the get-go, my decision was that I cannot do anything about it. It's already done. I can't send the time back. I can't change it. Like, I can't forget it. Like, you know, the only thing I can do wow. is to decide to get better, not better, and to move on with wisdom and not wounds. And to try to make as quick as possible, yet do a diligent work, because I wanted to get through the process diligently so it doesn't linger when, within me where, you know, it scars me for life or whatever. So I had no idea how I'm going to do this, like literally no idea, but I was so determined. That's how I go into neuroscience, because I thought there must be a way to be able to manage your head to reduce the suffering. Because we very rarely suffer by the present moment. We don't really suffer by what's happening right here, right now. There, you know, there are situations in life when, yeah, things happen sure. and the, the moment is a painful yeah. moment. But most of our suffering comes from the fact that we allow our mind to drag us back to the past into something that had already happened and you have no control over and it's already done. You can't fix it or bring it back. Or you allow your mind to run towards the future and be anxious about something yeah, that will probably never yeah. happen. Wow. So I was so determined to learn what's going on in the brain and how to change it because people were telling me, and rightly so, that you know it's going to take you two or three years to get over this because that's the psychological average for the length of relationship that I was in and so on. And I thought, no way do I want to give two or three years of my life to something that's already done. Like it's not going to impact anyone other than myself. That's another two or three years of my time, of my emotions, of everything. And of course it's horrendous and it's painful, but I thought there must be a way to somehow reduce the pain and move over, like move, move on quicker. And then, you know, people will be like, oh, this will be a new chapter. And I thought, mm -mm, this will be a new book because to me, a new yeah. chapter means being <clears throat> in the shoes of the same character and it's continuation of the same story. So I started working with neuroscience and started retraining and rewiring the brain in order for me to be able to move on. And within a few months, and you know, people even don't believe me now that I don't believe you don't think about it. I don't believe you don't feel sad about it. I'm like, well, what you're telling me is that you don't believe it would be possible for you 
because actually I did it. And within a few months, someone yeah. had, you know, mentioned the wedding to me. And I was like, wow, I had, a, I had a husband, I had a marriage, I had a wedding. Because now I'm able to look back at it. And I, I Kevin, I genuinely feel nothing but gratitude for what happened. It was horrendous and it was hell. And I don't wish my worst enemy to have to go through this. But equally, the learning, the growth and the evolution that I go from the process, if someone gave me the option of go back or go through hell again, I would go through hell again because I'm so grateful for everything. Wow. This is mind blowing. Listen, you know, and I'm going to skip. I'm going to keep moving here, but I want to encourage you to go look up. Um, it's like a little fable. It's online. It's called The Sun and the Little Soul. Go look that up. It'll blow your mind about what you just said about how you started to look at this thing with some level of gratitude it is as and it, which is what the story is about so I, i'm i'm so tempted to go down rabbit holes with you because i love everything you're saying but i'm going to keep moving here oh so, i'm definitely going to check it out straight check it yeah, out it, straight it, after it'll, our blow conversation. it'll blow your mind uh, you know it, it essentially talks about this idea of how you are grateful for the bad people that are in your life and why you become grateful. Well, you just explained it, but but grab some tissue because it'll 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 make you cry. I mean, it did me. I'll put it that way. Okay, so okay, wow. Um, I did want to ask though. Is there not not a secret? Is there a tip? Is there a technique? Is there an idea for those people? I'm. It's my perception, Nina, that. You know, the world is starting to use victimhood as a badge. You know, I, I remember going on a website a, a year ago. In fact, it was uh, for somebody I was looking at to interview. And when I went to the bio, it was, first of all, this bio that read like a book, you know, for starters. But from the beginning all the way to the end, all they spoke about was all of the drama, trauma, victimization and i don't certainly don't minimize people who have been through that but on the other hand i have a much greater appreciation for somebody who who, who finally says you know it's time to move on and you know but, but there it seems to be this almost a culture now that people want to share with you how much you know it's like if you and i were talking along these lines we would spend the entire time trying to outdo each other about our victimization you know and it's nuts so i'm asking about the person you know who maybe unintentionally is behaving this way what do they do to get over this victimhood that they they tend to just lie in Mm. It is a very good point, and I completely agree with you that um, similarly to like I work the longest hours or I work the hardest, exactly. you know, give me a badge of honor. There isn't That's one. Right. Um, and the same for for being a victim. And I think if you start seeing yourself as a victim, then you start thinking like a victim. And if you think like a victim, you start behaving like one and then you become one. And when you become one, it's very hard to change it because, you you know, our minds are, have got natural tendency for confirmation bias. And what that means is that whatever the brain believes to be true is going to seek out examples of this and show it to you. Therefore, if you start believing that you are a victim, the mind will find all the examples of why you're a victim and show them to you, right? I always give the examples of the red car. If you want to buy a red car, suddenly you decided, Kevin, today decided you're going to buy a red car. From tomorrow, you go out, you suddenly start seeing a lot more red cars on the road. 
are there yeah. more red cars? No, they've always been the same amount, roughly. But you never paid any attention, like your mind wasn't focused on them. Now, because you pay attention to it, the mind is seeking out examples of the red cars and showing them to you as evidence. The same thing with victimhood. The same thing with, you know, the world is a bad place. If you believe it is a bad place, all you're going to hear is the examples because the mind has to filter things. There's too many information that is bombarding us. So the brain has to filter. So what does it filter? Everything that you don't focus on and everything that you don't believe to be true. Therefore, it is really important to remember, and, and this goes back to responsibility. You know, responsibility is your mm -hmm. responsibility. Mm -hmm. And every single one of us has ability to respond. to respond. And I always think if you see yourself as a victim, yes, things, you know, have happened and people have done things that you wouldn't do to other person or you don't consider them to be the right things and they hurt. And, you know, and, and we all experience that. That is part of life. That, that is part of the human experience. But I always think if you see yourself as a victim, then look 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 at towards the end of your life if it's your last day let's say and you're going to look back and feel proud that you spent your whole life in suffering and you generated that suffering because whatever has happened to you if it happened 5 10 15 20 years ago it's irrelevant like none it doesn't exist any longer the only place it exists is in your mind in your and obviously head. your thoughts drive your emotions so, so yeah. if you if you feel sad and you know you feel betrayed you feel like a victim you choose to feel this way every day so that's your choice. So then look back and think, do you really want to spend life feeling like this? Or do you, you know, do you want to maximize the experience that to me, you know, life is a miracle that like people, you think winning a lottery is like pretty much impossible, right? But winning the lottery is one in 320 million chances, slim chance, but still you being born or me being born is one in 400 trillion, right? <laughs> like seemingly impossible yet we're here so and and every single one of us has got you know one of special limited edition dna you tell me that that's not a miracle so then you get given ticket to this incredible planet and you know like what you read at the start we have got so many opportunities we live in extremely privileged countries we have so much freedoms like people have to fight for what we now take for granted mm -hmm. and you tell me that you want to spend this life which is really a brief sparkle, feeling like a victim because someone had upset you at some point. Come on. Wow. I mean, this is just blowing my mind here. You know, and actually, it's interesting that what you're talking about today, I, I had a little bit of experience. I spoke at a conference yesterday and uh, a young person walked up to me and talked about the problems that she was having with, with another person, this conflict that was on and on and on and on and wanted to know how to not uh, be triggered by this, by affected by it, and this, that, and the other. And interesting enough, one of the things I asked her about, I said, have you read the book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People? And she said, yes. I said, what was habit number one? She says, I don't remember. And I said, well, it's to be proactive. And I said, what does that mean? She means like to, she said something about, you know, to, to, take, uh, to take action, you know, ahead of time. And I said, yeah, that's part of it. But if you listen to Stephen Covey as he talks about it, what he actually says about it is the first and foremost in your life to be an effective person is to take 100% responsibility for what you do, the decisions that you make, and the life that you live. And you actually, you actually say that. That's actually a part of a, a theme or a chapter in your book where you talk about, you say take, you say take um, full and absolute responsibility for yourself. Is that not correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because if you don't, you are leaving your life and your happiness 
depending on circumstances that are outside of you, right? That's right. So you're leaving your happiness and your life dependent on something or someone outside. That's exactly so this is, right. I always find interesting because people often come and they'll be like, oh, this person, you know, drives me crazy. I'm like, no, 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 you're driving yourself crazy. Like your thoughts drive your emotions. Your emotions generate the actions that we take and the behaviors that we take and they lead to the experiences that we create. So it's not the person or the situation, it's what you think about them. And if you think certain things about certain person, it's like, you know, the experiment, Pavlov's dog, exper- Pavlov's dog experiment, obviously not theoretical, but long time ago where, you know, Pavlov would condition the dogs that when he rings the bell, the dogs would associate the bell with food. So they'll dribble because they knew food is coming. And then he would ring the bell, wouldn't give them food, but they're already dribbling because the, the mind <laughs> and body right. got conditioned, right? Yes. So, and, and we do the same to ourselves, but mm. for us, the bell is a person. So the minute you get an email or a phone call from someone who you dislike or you think they push your buttons, even before they said anything, you already have your backup, right? And you're yes. oh, and you feel stressed. Is it a person or is it your conditioned response? Right. Yes. So it's you have to be very aware. And I think for me, what is missing, we, you know, we train people and train ourselves in self-awareness, as in awareness of the self in the context of our external environment. How do I come across in this interview? How did I behave? Could I have presented better? Could I have spoken more, you know, slowly, whatever? That's all in the context of others. Helpful, but not as helpful as awareness of the self on the self. What is what you have got up here and the thoughts that you think every day? How does that impact you? What emotions are you creating by the thoughts that you're having? What behaviors do then the emotions create and what actions do you take based on those behaviors? When you are very aware of this, it's so much easier to take full responsibility because then you know that there isn't anyone or anything out there that's creating the experience that you have got, you are creating it. And the only thing that, you you know, people, I think we create that illusion that we have so much control. The only control in life you have got is self-control. And when you are aware of this, that there's only self-control and you take 100% responsibility, the world outside will still be happening, but you have the life, you create the life that you want to create. And of course there will be ups and downs, but you, yes. your responsibility is a completely different level. That, that's exactly right. And you know, n- none of us are saying, of course, that things don't happen, that we, we are victimized by things, but it's a question about how much time you spend on that. You know, I have this thing that I call, you know, the, how, how these filters that we use as we think through things from our our belief system and one of them is your problem solution orientation are you the person that stays on a problem and never gets to the solution never moves on to the solution and i and i ask people i say well how do you know these people you you they're all around you they say yeah they're people that complain that's correct complain all the time and never move from the problem to the solution there are others you could say maybe go to the solution too quickly so so the idea here is there's a balance there that you do pay attention to the problem maybe the thing that you were victimized about and as you so eloquently said you look at it you 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 may study it you try to understand it and then say okay now what am i going to do about it what what am i going to do maybe you do nothing about it but you use it you you it's simply to say okay next time this comes around here's what i'm going to do there's the solution you see, it's just beautifully said, okay, I've got to move on because I really want to hear about then how, how the, the, the midlife revolution came about. You know, 
you already said that this big change inspired that, but you also dis discern the difference between a midlife revolution and a midlife crisis, which w when I read that, it was sort of the, the, the first thing that I thought about. But as I read into your book, I started realizing, no, she's talking about something completely different, although a midlife crisis should move into a midlife revolution. You, do you agree with that? So tell us about that, Nina. Yeah, well, I think the, the, the difference also a big part of it is responsibility, mm -hmm. right? So it's actually choosing what do you want to create in your life? Um, and yes. how do you, you know, how do you, who do you want to be and, and how, how do you want your life to be? Because everything is a choice. Everything in life is a choice. Um, you know, staying in a job you're unhappy in, that's a choice. Going for the career that you want, that's a choice. Staying in a relationship where you feel miserable, that's a choice. You know, having some sort of routine where it's not making you happy or alive, but you feel half asleep, that's a choice. Everything is a choice. Um, and we we can choose what we want, right? It's not always easy, but ultimately you either settle for it is what it is. Um, I really dislike that because to me, that's almost like what it is, what it is. I just stick with it. And I'm like, well, there's always an option or a solution or like, you know, other things that you can try. But the main difference for me is that with midlife crisis, very often people see this as a, you know, it's seen as this negative thing where someone just goes off and goes crazy, buys a new car or, um, you know, gets involved in a, another relationship. But midlife crisis is, is basically when you, you know, I think, I don't know what it is, you saw or like there's, you spend years, you know, having the career, experiencing everything that, you know, all the emotions that we experience as humans and so on. And suddenly you wake up and you think, oh my God, is this it? Like, what am I doing? Like, is there more, you know, and you start seeking outside. Yes. But what you're seeking is missing inside. So you can buy the car and it will give you the thrill for a few weeks. But once the initial enthusiasm is gone, you're like, oh, it wasn't the car, maybe a different car, or maybe a house, or maybe another relationship, whatever it is. So you're constantly seeking things that actually... I'm never going to fulfill this because the solution is always within. So the so midlife revolution is about, okay, I what do I want? Who do I want to become? And when I say, who do I want to become? I, I talk about becoming quite a lot. And, and sometimes people think, oh, that means that you're you know not the right person or not good person. To me, it's the opposite. Becoming is about chipping away at all the beliefs and conditioning that you picked up on the way over the years, where you feel like, you, and I banned the word should from my dictionary, but people feel that they should have certain jobs. They should have certain success. They should yeah, have certain relationship. Mm -hmm. Exactly right. And so how do we end up with, like I say, we're more unhappy than ever because according to the United Nations statistics, a billion people are reporting mental health issues, depression, anxiety, worries, and so on. A yeah. billion out of 8 billion people, a billion people are unhappy. That is unacceptable. But most of it is driven by the fact that people are trying to fit in into a cookie cutter shape of success or happiness or life created for society by society, rather than thinking, what is my definition of happiness? What is my definition of success? What is my definition of love? And then what do I need to create in order to live by that definition? Because only then you're going to actually find the fulfillment, the meaning, the happiness that you want. But you have to look within and answer yourself those questions first rather than going and buying all the stuff. And of course, marketing and, and sales rely on you being unhappy you and thinking the new haircut or the new shoes or whatever will make it. And yeah, that, that will help for a minute or two. And I'm not saying don't buy those things. Like if you want a new car, go and buy it. But don't buy on it as a dependent on half, right. like don't buy don't don't make your happiness dependent on the item yeah or just some or just some emotional reaction you see i mean to you know to just you know to just buy it because 
I don't know, maybe to your point, you're trying to fulfill something that's going on inside. We all, you know, we already know that that doesn't work. It's, you know, it's not put, putting something superficial over a, over a deep yearning is, is not what it's all about. You know, if, if you grew up all your life wishing that you had this red Corvette and they got to a place where you could buy it, beautiful. I mean, that's different than suddenly going, you know, uh, I, I'm just, I, I feel so uncool. I feel old. I'm going to go buy me a Corvette. No. <laughs> okay, so please, please keep going. Now let's just talk no. about the, 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 the midlife revolution, though, and, uh, and, and just a little bit more to try to understand it, you know. Uh, so, so the midlife revolution can take place at any, really any given time where a person, you know, realizes that their life is not where they would like it to be. Is, is that fair to say? Yeah, where well, you basically take the reins and be like, actually, I'm here and I'm going to make the most out of my time here. And I, I often think about life, you know, if someone, I don't know where we came from, obviously, nobody knows. But let's say we came from somewhere. I don't even know if we came from somewhere, but let's say we did. Let's say we're, you're on another planet and someone says to you, Kevin, I've got your ticket to this incredible planet. I mean, it's stunning and you can be who you want to be. You can do what you want to do and you can have whatever you want to have. Your time over there will be brief. There will be ups and downs. You can explore, do whatever you want. Wouldn't you go wild? You would, right? Yeah, You'll yeah, be yeah, like, yeah, I'm going sure. on an exploration. This is what life is. Yet we arrive here. And this is funny. I was talking to someone yesterday. Oh, interesting. And yeah. I said, like, you arrive here as a bundle of joy, right? We even call it bundle of joy. So, so natural state of being of a human being on our arrival here is happiness. As babies, you know, we are happy and something outside or basic need not being met, like hunger or, you know, you sit in your own dirty nappy sure. or whatever. Something has to make you unhappy. But natural state of being is happiness. But as we grow older and we start picking up of like, you're not good enough, you, I don't know, not intelligent, your hair is not blonde enough or, you know, you're not tall enough or whatever, you need to go to this school or you need to have those sort of sneakers, whatever that may be, you pick up all those things, the shoots of I should be this person, I should behave like this, I should have this and whatever. And then that leads to creating a success that's perceived success in a lot of ways. And then people come to me and they're like, well, I have got the title, I have got the money, but I feel dead inside. What do I do now? Like, I want something else. But now my family expects me to still have the salary and the title and whatever. And I want to, I don't know, I want to be a photographer and like fear of judgment comes in. So then we actually think, okay, well, we need to change something. And to me, to me, that's becoming, that's undoing everything that we picked up on the way and going back to the original state, which was happiness and being that bundle of joy. So, so to me, midlife revolution is deciding like, what is it that you want? What are your definitions for, you know, happiness, success, life, whatever. Then deciding who do you need to become in order to get there? Because you have to leave some things behind you. You have to learn some new things and show your mind new horizons. Because if you already were that person, you would have already created that experience. But you're not there. So you need to review it. You need to become aware of your thoughts, of your emotions, of like, you know, how you behave. Um, and going back to your point also of, you know, taking responsibility and, and change very often and victimhood, actually, very often people like, oh, I'm just so unhappy in relationships, every relationship I get betrayed and whatever. Hang on, have a look at all the relationships and tell me what is the one constant and the one common thing amongst all the relationships? You, all the partners were different, but you <laughs> are right. the person who is the yes. constant, right? Yes. So yes. where do you need to look? Yes. Within and think. That's right. How do I choose these people, right? right. <laughs> so I'm not saying anyone deserves a betrayal yeah. or whatever that may be. But you have to look within and be like, 
What do I yeah. do and what role do I play? Yeah. And how does that serve me? Because we all have that. Like I am natural caretaker where I'm like a fairy godmother. I'll show you the world. I'll look after you and whatever. <laughs> and, and, and that, you know, attracts a certain yeah. type of person and it yeah. ends in certain ways. And now I'm aware of it. Yeah. I have to decide whether that's something that I'm wow. comfortable with, knowing the consequences is going to lead to or whether I want to change. So that awareness, you know, awareness, I think, uh, is, is paramount because awareness gives you power. When you are aware, you have power to decide whether you're happy with it, you want to stick with how things are or whether you want to change. So everything starts with awareness and decision. Which is incredible because, you know, and it's a deeper level of awareness, as you just mentioned earlier on. I'm going to ask you about that in just a moment. But as you were talking about this idea of, 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 you know, of thinking about your life and what it should be and what you used to be and, and, and more purpose or whatever the case you might be. I'll never forget a book that I wrote several years, I read several years ago. It was actually by a, a priest, uh, Henry Nowen. Don't know if you've ever heard his name, but he wrote a book called In the Name of Jesus. And he was really talking about Christian leadership, but he did exactly what you said, he, but, he, but he turned to God for this particular reason and that, and, but, but it, it still played out in the same way. And it went, I'll say very briefly like this. He spent about 25 years, he was from uh, Toronto, I believe, and he spent about 25 years as a priest, but mostly a theologian. So he spoke at all the great colleges, uh, you know, from Notre Dame to, to Harvard, to all the, I mean, he was this high-end lecturer on theology. And he said somewhere around 25 years, he started to lose his way. You know, what he said, he started off, that he started to feel like he was getting burned out. A lot of traveling, a lot of this, that, and the other. He said, but then as he started to feel burned out, it went deeper than that. And he said uh, he arrived at this point where he felt like his soul was in harm's way, that, that the, his spirit was dimming. And so he, as you would imagine a priest would, he turned to God. He prayed a lot about it, and he finally turned to God. He said, God, I don't know what's happening here. You know, he said, but if there's something else that you want me to do, he said, please tell me. And then he said, but be very specific. And so he had this, this uh, I don't think he explained it, but he had this idea, this thought in his head that he believed God put there. And he said, I want you to go to this place called Le Arc. And the Ark is a place for, I think it's, um, I, I don't know if it's all ages, but certainly goes, but I believe it's into the adults of people who suffer from Down syndrome, who are, who are you know, mentally very, uh, you know, um, um, uh, not disturbed, but, uh, you know, disability. They, you know, they're, yeah. and so, so any, anyways, and, and he could not believe that this is what this great, honorable Harvard Notre Dame professor should be going and what? Working with disabled children and adults that that the only thing they wanna know is, are you coming back tomorrow? All of this that I've learned, all this great knowledge and wisdom and connection to God, and this is what you want me to do? And the answer was yes. And he went there and you should read about what his life turned into from serving, you know, the, the greatest, uh, those who are in the greatest need and who, who, who he actually brags about the idea that about this one young man that he brought 
on lectures with him from that point on. And the young man would sometimes chime in and say something that seemed so irrelevant, but he would have a conversation with him. And, and all, I, I almost feel like tears now from, from reading this book because, it, you know, but, but it, I, I just want to go back to your point that so maybe he didn't go within or he didn't ask the universe. He asked God, tell me what to do. So it, but it's the same concept that you're talking about. It's this idea of saying, whether you're speaking to God or somebody else or just yourself, you're saying to say, you know, what do I want to do? What should I be doing? What, what would bring me joy and happiness? Who can I serve? I mean, the questions are different than, oh my God, why is my life so bad? It's a different question, yes? Absolutely. And I also feel, you know, go back to, to your point about victimhood and how we become an, about, um, as a society. Similarly, um, there is this attitude that, you know, there's no need for anger. There's no need for upset, you know, <laughs> like that. that's bad. No, no, no. That's part of the human experience. And, you know, experiencing the, you know, the bad stuff and the hurt and the pain and the betrayal and the anger and the frustration, whatever it is, like that's normal. But it's it's like whether you allow that to define the rest of your life and drive the rest of your life is what makes the difference. It's fine to react. It's it's normal, right? Yes. To get stressed, to get frustrated, whatever. But if you allow that to become that badge of honor, or if you carry your past head like oh, a suitcase with you for the rest of your life into the future, <laughs> that's different. That is yes. your choice. So, and you know what you're saying, a beautiful story. Another thing for me to read, I'm going to be busy, Kevin, this weekend, all the great stuff that oh, you asked me, that you're story. telling me yeah. to read, but whether that's God or universe or what, like it's the same thing. Like ultimately it comes from within, wherever you got it channeled from, you have to quiet, you have to go quiet and you have to listen for this. And and I always think, you know, whilst the brain thinks, the heart knows. And you have to allow the whispers of the heart to come up and be like, what is it that I really want? Because, you know, very often, and, you, and, and I find it quite ironic that online there's so many inspiring quotes and people are like, oh yeah, that's so true and keep scrolling, keep scrolling. I'm like, and very often people will say to me, you're such an inspiration. And I'm like, that's kind of you to say, but actually, unless you learn something from it and apply and it helps What's you in your life, point? it's pretty yeah. useless, right? Yeah. What's yeah. the point? Make you feel good um, for a minute. Okay, great. Exactly, yeah. right? So it's like, what do you want to do with the time that you have got here? And to me, you know, we all have dreams and ambitions and whatever, but I was talking to someone today and I was like, if I die today, like my life, my, my kind of happiness is always like, if I die today, next minute, I died happy because I know that I did my best yes. to live the life that I wanted. And to me, a beautiful life and life that's full of fulfillment and meaning isn't perfect life. To me, it's finding beauty in the mess. To me, it is overcoming the pain and not allowing the brain to manage me, but actually me being in charge of the brain. And this is where the neuroscience comes in because, you know, the, the brain, it's a, it is a supercomputer. It is the most intelligent and sophisticated piece of kit on the planet. And we come equipped with it for free, but we don't really get thought how to use it properly. So if you allow it, it will drive you on an autopilot. The same thoughts every day, the same thoughts lead the same, to the same emotions. The same emotions lead to the same behaviors. The same behaviors lead to the same actions. The same actions lead to the same experiences. The experiences adapt to the overall experience called life. So everything starts with a thought. And when you learn that, and when you know how to manage it, you're there, right? And, and I think, you know, people don't realize that. And I'm like, the brain is incredible. I love it. I'm so grateful for it. 
but it is no different than your leg or your arm. And you wouldn't allow your leg to suddenly pick up and take you for a walk because it decided so. Yet you allow your brain to do that because you allow your brain to go back to something that happened 5, 10, 15 years ago and you still feel hurt about it. That situation no longer exists. It exists only in your mind. And not just that, the brain is creative and our memory is creative. So how we remember things is not how they were because they're distorted through the emotions that we felt then and through the emotions that we feel now. So yeah. it's not even true. So we basically yes. are hurting ourselves and causing ourselves to suffer because we allow the brain to manage us rather than the other way around. It's as though we're reacting really to our perception. I mean, you can walk by a very dark alley and look down there and it's so dark and maybe you hear this little noise and you just become traumatized by that. But then you maybe go back the next day and you see, well, it's not really an alley. The, you just couldn't quite see the wall. It was just right there. There was nothing. So, so you, 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 and you could have maybe never gone back to that wall, but lived the rest of your life thinking, you know, I was really traumatized by that dark alley and I heard this noise. Well, there actually was never anything there. It was all you were emotional about your perception of this. So here's the thing though, Nina, and you've already been doing this, just such beautiful words from you. But I, I want to, and you've already been doing this, but I want to move a little bit more into solutions about some ideas for, for my audience. But the first question I want to ask you is this. So I have a friend of a friend who had a long marriage and, uh, and for several years was a very disruptive marriage, was not good. I think she felt trapped and she is finally breaking away. I would submit to you, though, that she has been traumatized by it I, I don't want to say that it is for I don't I don't know enough about it but but certainly uh, it's been a very very difficult situation perhaps this is the ideal person that might look back on their life and and carry this with them she's just getting away from this getting ready to make a move how does she start where does she begin to make this revolution to to not be victimized the rest of her life by this marriage and and the ending of it where does she start how does she you start make a to decision. shed this yeah go ahead make you make a decision. a decision that you're not going to be victimized by it that you want to move on with wisdom not wounds and that you want to use this as a foundation for something else because i believe you know in every challenge there is an opportunity Every pain is pointing you to a solution as well. And you have that solution within you. Mm. So to me, the biggest thing is to decide. And you, you, will, you know, that person will not know, just like I didn't know how, am I, how on earth am I going to do this? No idea. But you find solution. You always find solution if that's what you decided to do so. If you decided that actually, you know, this has scarred me for life, that's what it's going to be because that's what you decided, right? So the first thing is always to decide that you're not going to let your current today circumstances or your past define and determine your future. Like, the, you know, there will be teachings, there will be gratitude, there will be wisdom, there will be learnings, there will be whatever you want to take out of this experience and you will learn as much as you want to learn. And then you decide what part of that do you want to bring to the future with you mm -hmm. and what needs to stay. So from every past, so, you know, despite everything that happened in my life and, you know, what happened on that New Year's Eve, this wasn't the first horrendous thing that happened in my life, but for everything that happens, when you are in that situation, very often you can't see what is what is life trying to teach you here because you're in shock, you're in survival mode, you are stressed, you, you can't see the future. 
So it's very difficult. But if you decide that actually there's a lesson in there and I can't see it just yet, but I will find it. That's what's starting to drive you. So then you decide, I'm going to find the lesson, I'm going to get the wisdom, and I'm going to use the hell out of all of this to build something better and not to fall into the same trap again. But you have yes. to decide that. Oh, and then, I... you know, please, seek please. professional help if you need to. Like, seek professional help if you need to. I've worked throughout my whole life with coaches, therapists, mentors, academics, whoever. Because I, you know, I often feel people think, well... I can get over things myself. And I was even told that, like, you don't need help. Like, you so, you know, you've studied and you know it all when you don't need help. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Um, I know I can get over it myself, but it's going to take me longer and I'm going to make mistakes. If there is someone in the world that can help me to do it in a way that will be more effective, where I will learn quicker, where I will learn better, and where actually I'll get more wisdom out of it, then I'll be stupid not to do that. Um, so yes. the first thing is decision. The second thing is like, okay, what, what solutions do I want? You know, and, and therapy isn't always a, the solution. Like therapy is a part of it. Sometimes coaching is much better depending on a person and the, and the situation and so on. But the first thing is definitely decision. The second thing is like, you know, once you've decided that you will not be victimized by it and this will not determine your future, because ultimately if you allow yourself to become the victim, you are given power over your life to your now ex-husband or ex-wife or whatever, they, right? They, they still are. Yes. Exactly. So they mm -hmm. still are in control of your life, yes. even if you don't live together and you got divorced or whatever, because in your head, you've created that mental prison and you are in it. <laughs> and they're, they're away. It's like, you know, like Nelson Mandela's quote of not forgiving is like drinking poison and hoping that the other person will die from it. <laughs> that is true. It is because, true. you know, if our thoughts generate negative, stressful emotions, that kicks in the chemical, the production of chemicals, which is cortisol. So, you know, and cortisol is helpful when you get stressed from time to time, it gets sure. you into fight or flight action. So you know how to react if there's, you know, real life danger. Yeah. But if you start leaving by those emotions of stress and every day you are a victim and you feel guilty, you feel shame, you feel sad, you feel stressed, you feel worried, all because of something that was in the past, then unfortunately you are driving your body into a disease because the body cannot cope with being stressed every day. Our immune system can't cope with it. And then you think, is anyone on this planet worth you driving yourself ill and making yourself ill oh, over that and over something that no longer exists? That's a great question. You know, you make me think of this analogy that, you know, to be fair, and, and you were very fair about how you posed this, that the first thing is to make a decision to, to move on away from that, but trauma or, or you know, any type of trauma, especially if it's prolonged, you know, it's kind of like a, you know, I mean, it's kind of like a, a Karen chasing you around, you always in your ear, you know, and you're trying to move away from it. But to your point, you know, this is where maybe you do find some resources, some help to get that, to help pull you away from that. But you, you keep going though, you, you keep, the self-awareness up that you're trying to move away from this. And, and as time goes on, you're able to regulate your emotions more and then think better and all these sorts of things. But if, but perhaps to your point that if you never make that decision, it just stays there. It's always here. And you almost, it almost becomes your friend, you know, that, you know, got this screaming Karen in your ear and they walk around with you for the rest of your life. You know, and that's very interesting. Okay, so now in your book, you also mentioned the importance of 
of presence, of you know, of being of staying present, if you will, and you know, and you know, and experiencing, I guess you could say, oneself, you know, dis, you know, despite the external circumstances. So, how does a person cultivate that type of a mindset? How do they cultivate a mindset of? I mean, we, you said it earlier. You, you can't always be in the present, but but how do you cultivate a mindset to be more in the present so that it begins to help you with this revolution? Mm, this is I a mean, great question. By, by the way, yeah. By the way, to, you know, you know, in in the context of these distractions that are constantly around you. By the way, you know, you're trying to be more in the present. You're trying to not let these voices. You know, so how do you then do that in that context? I'm sorry to interrupt mm. you. No, no, no. This is great, and actually links back really well to the voices in our heads, um, because this is all, this is a neuroplasticity. So our brain. So if you think something every day, mm. that becomes routine thinking. It becomes habitual in the brain. So we think sixty to seventy thousand thoughts every day. Ninety mm. percent of them are the same today as they were yesterday, and the day before yesterday, and the day before yesterday, and we are not even conscious of them. So if you think something over and over again, it becomes a belief, and then it becomes a subconscious belief, and you're completely unaware of it. But that's how so your brain drives you on an autopilot, just like when you get in the car, you know, and at the start, mm. everything feels like you're very aware of what you need to press, and you know, the mirrors and everything. And then when you drive for a while, you get in the car, you get to your destination, you think, oh, I can't even remember if it was green or red, but I got here, right? Yeah, Who drove the right. car? Yeah, it's your subconscious mind that drove the car. Yeah, That's where 95% of our mental activity is happening. So then if you think certain thoughts every day and you allow your brain to think that, like, you know, my ex is a mean person, I'm a victim, this feels horrible. You start thinking that every day. You're wiring your brain to think those thoughts every day and then you believe in them. So then what happens is you don't even realize, like you catch yourself that this is what you're thinking. You didn't choose to think that, but now the brain thinks that on an autopilot. That's what happens. And the brain will always choose an autopilot because the brain is only 2% of your body, yet it takes 20% of our energy. So we always choose a path of least resistance to save energy, which is super helpful when it comes to driving yeah. or the fact that you remember how to brush your teeth and you don't have to learn it every day. Yeah, still, um, yeah. mm -hmm. Exactly. So that's really helpful. But when it comes to thoughts, that can become very unhelpful and destructive. So then if you don't become aware of your thoughts, um, and I, you know, I'll give you my own example. So when I was going through this trauma, traumatic experience of everything that has happened in my life, um, I would go out for a walk with my dogs and I think, what am I going to have for dinner? Or I think, what am I going to do for the project for work and whatever? And suddenly all this destructive thoughts are coming in of why didn't you do this? You know, the self-blame. They're like, oh, what if you, you know, why didn't you go and check up? Why didn't you check? Why, did, why were you so stupid and trusted? How could you not have seen it? Were you not, you know, all of those things come up from your subconscious. So then that awareness gives you power. Do I really want those thoughts to be here or do I want to rewire my brain, right? But you, and, and here's the solution also. People often say, well, you just have to, you know, think different thoughts, change your life. True. But it's not as easy as that because if you have been thinking certain thoughts for years, then they are That's hardwired right. in your brain. That's right. So then if you want to change change this, you have to rewire your brain. But in order to do this, you have to basically change one wiring into another. So this is a little bit like, you know, if you tell yourself, Kevin, I'm not going to think about chocolate. What are you going to think about? Chocolate. Chocolate, right? <laughs> and if you knew yourself, don't want to talk about chocolate, it's going to be hot chocolate, chocolate cake, chocolate brownie, whatever. Suddenly the brain that's capable of, you know, infinite possibilities of thoughts goes blank. And all you can think about is the thing that you don't want to think about. That's why 
the solution here is if you identify thoughts that you don't want to have, like I'm unworthy, I'm a victim, this hurts me so bad or whatever, you have to give the brain a substitute. So every time that chocolate or whatever the thought that you don't want to have comes to your mind, you have to distract your mind with another thought. So decide. So if, if you identified, you know, became aware of some of the thoughts that you don't want to have and you want to rewire your brain, you then give your brain something else to think about so it doesn't go blank and doesn't keep spinning Very in the chocolate kind yes. of thing, right? So don't, I don't want to think about chocolate. I'm going to think about, I don't know, green grass instead. So if you do that enough times over a few weeks, your mind will no, no longer go to chocolate. It will go to green grass because now you trained it to have a different thought, right? So if you think yeah. I'm inconsistent, that's what it's going to think. If you yeah. every time you catch yourself thinking I'm inconsistent, you're going to think, actually, I am getting consistent or I have got examples of consistency or whatever. Give it a few weeks and before you know, your brain is saying I am consistent because you trained it to yeah. that way. That's very interesting because you, you bring out a very good point that, you know, change your thoughts, change your, change your life can be a bit of a misnomer. I mean, it's not really that. It, you, you, it might be better said, you know, change your beliefs, change your life, you know, because, uh, because to your point, you know, and, and this is where I think perhaps uh, some go wrong is that they, they try to change your thoughts. But that, I mean, it's just and then, and then they're like, OK, well, I changed my thought. Nothing happened. But it's really, to your point, getting more into the beliefs, into the subconscious, training your mind to not think this, but to think this. And that really digs a little bit deeper into the subconscious and into the beliefs mode. Just because I have a thought does not make it true, or nor am I compelled. You know, I may want to choke the shit out of somebody because of the way they're behaving, but that's just a thought. <laughs> I'm not going to go do that. Why? Because my belief is that you don't hurt people. I mean... You see, so I think there's a very important idea that you're bringing there. So how do you, by the way, is, is that the answer that you have a person who has the thoughts that come through their mind and it attaches to an emotion and then you react? What do you do to that thought? It's coming here and you, and you see it. You, you, you see the thought coming. It's a negative thought. I mean, it, can, you, can you attend to that? How do, you, how do you deal with that? Do you just say, okay, let me think about this? Is that it? You just shift your thinking? I think the, the thing here is going back to the self-awareness. So becoming the observer of the thoughts and realizing that oh, just because something is in your mind does not mean that it's true or it's a fact oh. or it's real. Yeah. So people oh. often think that whatever you believe is true. No, no, no. Oh, no. Believe is a thought that you thought enough times or oh. you heard when you were a child and it got really stuck oh. in the subconscious. And bearing in mind that the subconscious mind, like I said, is responsible for 95% of our mental activity. And the conscious mind, which is the logical, the analytical, you know, the decision maker, the CEO, that's only 5%. So consciously, you can think, I'm going to be happy today. But if your subconscious is wired right. to, I've been miserable for the past 20 years, well, guess that's what right. day you're going to have? Well, you're not going to be happy, are you? That's so right. it is about, it is about the, you know, hardwired beliefs and so on. It's the same, you know, people like, I want to, I want to have abundance. Like if you get up and be, uh, I'm, I'm going to be a millionaire, I'm a millionaire, I'm, I'm thinking about being a millionaire. But subconsciously, you think, you know, it's okay for Kevin to be a millionaire, but it never happened in my family. I don't believe it, it's ever going to be true for me. Or money is at the root of all evil. Or, you know, in order to become a millionaire, I have to win the lottery or whatever. If that is your belief system, then you can think I'm a millionaire however long you want. It's just not going to happen because your subconscious mind does not believe it. And if it doesn't believe it, it's not going to create it for you. So... So that is very important. It's the awareness becoming the observer. So, 
you know, remembering that, yeah, thoughts will come and you can't control all the thoughts that are coming. Like, you know, people say you, you have to control everything. You, you can't. But what you can do is, you know, see yourself as a, you, I, I would often think that I am my own project and I see myself as Nina, the character, where sometimes thoughts come to my mind and I, I observe myself and think, where's this coming from? I wonder, right? So you, you approach it with curiosity rather than, oh, I have it in my head, so oh, I have to no, react yeah. to it. I have to behave like, no, no, no. You, you, you're curious, you start exploring, like, oh, what is this thought? Where is it coming from? Like, you know, do I remember where maybe start, when, when did they, you know, when did I start thinking this? Oh, I didn't realize that I had that in my head before, but now I do. So that helps you to identify the thoughts. And then once you obviously have the awareness, that gives you power to think, is it a useful thought that I want to have and a useful belief that is going to support the life that I want to create? Or actually, is it holding me back or going against what I want to create? And if it's holding you back and it's going against it, then you rewire it and think, okay, these are the thoughts that I'm having. Actually, I'm going to change, you know, the chocolate into the green grass example. So then you can rewire your brain, but you have to become aware first. And in order to become aware, you have to become the observer. You have to become conscious of the, you know, of what's going on in your unconscious mind. I love that. You know, the the idea of... <clears throat> You know, I've 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 said this. I've I've listened to many others talk about become the observer of your thoughts, but I think you put some real uh, a real tool to it, a real a uh, framework to it, and that is, so you know, because you can say that and people go, okay, so I'm observing my thought. Now what? Well, I think you just said it. No, w when you when you when you observe your thought, you you see it, um, and you think it, and you and and then you bring in this tool, this this tool of curiosity. This, this is the framework that, that I think people should take away from what you're saying right now is that when the thought comes, get curious. Ask, what is that all about? Why are you here? You know, uh, what, what do I do from now? What do, what do I do with it? You know, or maybe I don't do anything or maybe I need to explore why it keeps coming back. But you start to really uh, engage uh, in, in a meaningful way, not in a uh, just a reactive way, but really a proactive way in that sort of thing. So, Nina, let me ask, as someone embarks on a, a midlife revolution, you know, uh, might be a tough question. I, I don't know. What, what can they expect? What what should they expect if they decide, let's say this this friend of a friend or others who who have, you know, who are 60 years old or, you know, or about to retire or have just become empty nesters and they're not just going to fall inside this trap and just look back and say, wow, my life is, you know, what now what? We, you know, so they decide they want to embark on a midlife revolution. What can they expect to happen? What should they look forward to? Well, I think you look forward to creating the life that you want to create. Um, I think you have to be aware that in order to create that you are going to have to change. You can't be the same person and do the same things and, and create something else. Because as we know from Einstein, constantly doing the same things and expecting different results is called insanity. Um, yet so many of us do it all the time. But um, you have to expect to change. But to me, the exciting thing is that the first bit is get clear on what is it that you want. Uh, when you get clear, to me, that's like the, the anchor. This is where I'm going. That's my direction of travel. So when the times get tough, when it gets challenging, that is what keeps you going. Because I'm like, I'm going to get through this because I'm oh, going there. Right. And if that's I don't get through right. this, I'm staying where I am. Yeah. So, but you have to expect to change and you have to expect that, you know, 
things will no longer resonate, that some relationships need to go, some connections and so on. You, you can't, you, so to me, the big, so there's a process that I use that's very simple, not to say that it's easy, but it's simple is you create, you, you get clear on what you want. You create that vision for what you want. Then you decide who do I need to become in order to be this person, mm. right? Um, so what things do I need to let go of and whatever. Then, of course, we can't just pick up. I mean, I did, but it doesn't work for everyone. Pick up a suitcase and go to the other side of the world. But then once you have that vision, then you decide, okay, in where I am today, what from this life is coming with me to the future mm. and what needs to stay where it is and be put in a box with a past on it and that's not to say that you forget it discredited no 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 sure you take the gratitude take the wisdom but use it as a foundation and a building block don't use it as a heavy suitcase that you're carrying and dragging into the future because it's just going to weigh you down it's not going to allow you to go and you know much further so it's like get clear create the vision decide what you want who do you want to be then decide what's coming into the future and what is staying and then you have to become that person. And in order to become, you don't just wake up one day and like, today I'm that Nina version that I wanted yeah. to be for yeah. years, right? Yeah. Becoming is a daily work. That's why New Year's resolutions don't work. Because once the initial enthusiasm wears off, like you go back to the old habits, your mind is going back to the same thoughts because the mind always seeks to go back to the, you know, to the familiar and to the comfort zone. And what's that? Everything that it knows. The mind is a record of the past. But if you want to create something new, you have to show in your horizons and you have to do this consciously. And that also helps you stay in the present and be more aware, you know, and, and be more um, alert about what's going on in the mind. And is it supporting where I'm going or is it dragging me back into the past because it feels familiar and comfortable and so on? So then, you know, becoming to me is the exciting bit because rather than every day waking up and making decisions in the same way that you have made them for the past 10, 15, 20 years, thinking the same thoughts that you were thinking for the past 10, 15, 20 years, you go to the person that you want to become and you make a decision from that level of mind. So you think, what would that Nina version that uh, I want to be think? What would she decide? How would she behave? What would she do in that situation? That's yeah. how you become. So it isn't like an overnight thing. This is, you yeah. know, it's a process. And, and before you know it, you became that person. And it's not a drastic thing. It's a daily conscious, you know, being aware of this. And and of course, you will fall down and you will yes. trip up and you will go back because that's just that's just life and that's just how the brain works. But none of that matters as long as you don't allow the brain to drag you back into the past, the same old routines, behaviors and whatever where you just stay in the past. You can trip up and you're like, actually, today wasn't a great day. But if I face that tomorrow, how will I react differently? How will I behave differently? And you have to then decide, are you more in love with where you're going and your future that you're creating? Or are you more in love with your past that no longer exists and the hurt and the pain and whatever has happened? Like, you know, because that's your choice. That's fascinating. In fact, you just answered the question that I was going to next ask. And that is, you know, what what can a person expect will be the challenges? What will be the thing that will disrupt their process? And I mean, you just said it, but is there anything else that you would say about that? You know, the, the idea that we're going to slip, we're going to fall, we're going to maybe get a little disoriented. But to your point, that's where the vision comes into place. You get inside of this foggy zone and, you know, and maybe even you're, you're you know, maybe you got a new job and so you're super busy and you're not thinking about as much about, you know, where you're going because, you you know, just there's been a bit of a pause, let's just say it that way, because you have to earn money. 
Well, then you come back to you and go, okay, now I'm confused. And you have to get back to the vision, right? This is where I was going. But what else might you submit is, you know, that will be challenging for a person making this next revolution or this new mm. resolution? I think your environment. Um, so the internal environment, I say, is like 90% of the work. What's going on out here and what's going on out here is key. Without that, you know, you can be anywhere and be, you know, be miserable. You can be anyone and, and be miserable if that's if that's what you have created for yourself. Um, but the environment also is key. So and, and the people around you, you have to make a decision of whether the relationships, the connections, the who you surrounded yourself with and the environment that you surround yourself with, does that support where you go in and who you become in or does it not? And and that can be tricky. You know, I, I also have experienced that. And even though I consider myself someone who is surrounded by super supportive people and I, you know, I've been extremely fortunate with people who have believed in me and so on. But I wasn't immune to, uh, are you being brainwashed because you seemingly too happy and not anxious enough about the future? Or, you know, I often, people say to me, don't change, you're amazing, don't change. I'm like, that's the whole point. I want to change, right? Yeah. Um, and continue yes. to work on myself. So you have to really be aware that people are used to the version of you that they have gotten to know over the years. So just like our mind thinks comfort and familiarity, which is the norm, they will be doing the same things. And you as a person are fulfilling certain need and a role in their life. So you Very changing may change the dynamics. So what's better for them? Mm -hmm. It's better for them to for you to stay as you are. So that will make a difference. And I often think as a society, we have a bit of a challenging idea of uh, I, I'm really happy for someone. I'm really happy for them. But or if I was in their situation, but, you know, and I always think if you start the sentence and it says, it's none of my business, but I'm like, when you get to that, but I'm like, that is a pretty big cue that that sentence needs to end there. It's none of your business. Full stop. And also I, I, I want them to be happy. Very often people say, I want someone to be happy based on their definition of happiness. So I want Kevin to be happy in the way that I think happiness looks right. No, no, no. If you want someone to be happy, you want them to be happy based on their own definition of happiness or success or whatever that is. And that may be different to use. And that's okay, because that's their life. And that's the journey. So I often deal with people who say, you know, I know this person cares for me, but I need to check that they're okay with it. I'm like, no, you don't owe them anything. And if they care for you, and if they genuinely need to be happy, then they want you to do what's right for you, not what's right for them, because it fulfills certain need in their life. So this is, you know, this is something that we have to be aware that over the years, we create relationships, connections, and so on. And then when you're going through the revolution, there will be some connections that actually don't support yeah. your vision actually you know the you know there may be energies of people bringing you down and yeah. and you know are getting in the way and That's you right. have to choose again of like right. am i going to stick with this dynamic and stay where i am because yeah. of someone else and their comfort with me or is my future and my That's own life right. more important to me and by the way it could be somebody honestly it could be a relative it could be somebody that you love dearly and that's a hard decision to make, you know, but uh, yeah, that's, that's, it's almost like I don't want to advise somebody about that, but, but there are times that you have to leave somebody that was very important to you at one time behind, or at least, you know, at least limit your interaction with them, you know, or something to this effect. So 
Well, you know, what, one last question before, before I ask you about your book and, and where people can find you, and that is that, you know, I, I think this also happens to young people, say, for instance, going to college. This is probably the, the greatest example is, is, you know, somebody's about to finish their high school and go to university, and you ask them, so what are you going to study? And they go, oh, I don't know. I have no idea. I think people do this in life, too. I can imagine this is a midlife revolution issue as well, that somebody goes, I'm not happy with my life, but I have no idea what I want to do or how I want to change. And, and some, I, I think, legitimately are stuck going, I just don't know. What do you say to them, this person mm. that just doesn't know? People legitimately get stuck, but Kevin, yes. in my experience, you always know. You always know. Okay. The, the thing is, I've never had, an, never had a person who didn't know, but very often they may not be clear. They can't see it just yet. It's in there, but you've buried it so deep that you can't hear it. Okay. So what happens is that there's three, three kind of things that happen. A, very often people know, but they're buried because they don't want to admit to themselves what they want because admission... Now means that they are going to have to choose to either change and do something about it or stick with it and decide that it's not ideal, but you know, it's my choice to stick with the no ideal. That's one thing. Sometimes people know that they don't want to admit it because of fear of judgment. So again, I'm this high powered leader. I have got the perceived societal, you know, success. I want something completely different. Um, how is that going to look? My family is not going to be happy. So, you know, I'd rather not kind of not admit it to myself because again, that means that I might have to choose something and face the fear of judgment. Um, and sometimes people genuinely get so, um, I think, so stuck with the, the cookie cutter society expectations of what you sure. think your parents, your teachers, your mm -hmm. society, your friends, you know, over the years we yeah. pick up all these things. You pick up the what the world is telling you you should be and should do to such a high degree that you can't hear or see like what is it that I want and that's where the lack of clarity comes so I believe that it's always within you but sometimes it takes a little bit of digging but very often what I would do is I say to people close your eyes forget everything that you know forget everything that you have been told forget everything that you believe that you should be do or have Forget everything that you think is the right idea of success or whatever. If it was just Kevin and the world and you could be anyone, do anything, have anything, what would it be? And the answer is always there. And the and, and it's not often obvious. So like, you know, I was talking to someone not long ago. I said, what would it be? They're like, no idea. I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> if, the, if it could be literally anything, what would you do? I'd go skiing in Canada. I'm like, okay, well, that's pretty good. So then the question that they were asking is, is, is it this route that I'm taking or this route that I'm taking? I'm like, okay, what you dream thing is to spend more time in Canada skiing. Which route is it going to take you there? This one or this one? They're like, oh, this one. I'm like, well, there you go, right? So you know what you want. <laughs> um, wow. So, so it's, it's, to me, it's, it's, again, that unpicking, forget everything. Forget for a minute the responsibilities, the commitments, because we, we put these mental blocks of like, you know, I want to live in Canada, but oh my God, I've got property in the UK. So not possible to go to Canada, right? Of yes. course it's possible. You're just making it impossible in your head. That's why I believe that if you start with a blank page, literally blank page, with just Kevin in the middle of the blank page, Kevin in the world, like, what would I do? You know, who would I be? What would I have? That is a great start. And you start wow. with that. 
And then you bring back that, okay, well, actually, I do have responsibilities. I have families. I have whatever, this, this, and that. And then you decide what comes to the future, what maybe needs to stay, but in a different dynamic, and what needs to stay in the, you know, in the past and be, you know, express gratitude for, wow. but it's not coming. Man, that is so amazing what I'm hearing. I, I'm not just saying that. You know, part of what I was thinking about was this idea that, you know, that exploring what really resonates in your heart it does, it can take a little bit of work. Everybody doesn't know that. I, I, I wanna just briefly give you this, what I think is a great example that I just thought about, that if, if you were coaching me and you asked me, what, you know, what do you wanna do more than anything in the world? And I would probably come out and say, you know, I have traveled very extensively, but I would say, I just wanna keep traveling the world. I wanna go to fun and innovative places. But if we left it at that, what I have learned over the years in traveling and, and a fair amount of it by myself is that that is not it. That is not the only thing because I have traveled many times by myself and felt rather bluesy or depressed. And what I realized what I would really like to do is to probably take my laptop, but even more importantly, take my wife with me and just spend time with her in these interesting places. That traveling the world is not was not by itself the answer. It was this the answer was 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 having my my friend and my partner with me that I could that that we could be even chilling in some hotel balcony and I'm sitting there with my laptop maybe writing something or doing an interview but she's very close to me and we can say, hey, let's go have some coffee or, you see, I, I'm only expressing to, to express that you don't just jump on this first idea without, to your point, looking deeper at it, being curious. Is that it? Is that it by itself? Absolutely. I mean, go travel. And so, yeah. I, you know, what a beautiful thought that you gave to me and I appreciate that. Uh, thinking and I think I think this is a beautiful example like I'm, I'm sorry also to, to stop you there beautiful example because often I think people will say to me okay so now I know that I'm going there that's my destination I need to work out the a b c d and I'm like no 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 all you need is the first step and that decision that you're going to do something about it and the destination that's similar right. like you know when you go I don't know if you want to drive from New York to LA let's say you don't know all the turns and roundabouts and, and traffic lights. You put a lay in the sat nav, you get in your car in New York and you start driving and you trust that you're going to get there. And yes. then maybe details and then maybe roads that are closed and you may go different to different route than you did before. Yes. If you did that before and whatever. But what you're doing is you're allowing the time and space for things to emerge. Yes. For you to be curious, for you to learn what else is there, you know, what That's is it exactly that I want? Right. So it's not, you know, the A, B, C, D, just like, you know, what what emotions do you want to live by? Because when we talk travel, travel yes. is not the thing that we want. Like the car is not the thing that you want. The there relationship is. is not the thing that you want. What you want is love, joy, happiness, freedom. Is the emotion that you want. Mm -hmm. The thing that you think you want is just a vehicle for the emotion that you want more in your life. So, you know, when people say... You know, I mean, I love this person or I love the car, whatever. Well, yeah, that generates emotion, but the emotions don't get generated by the person or the item. They get generated here 
but what you think about it, mm. right? So you, no one can make you feel love. You make yourself feel love, mm. which may well be connected to a person or a pet or an item or whatever, right? But if you just decide, this is what I want and I'm going, and then it's like, oh, this wasn't what, what I thought it's going to be. You don't allow that magic. You don't allow that curiosity. You don't allow the time to be like, actually, this feels good, but being with my wife and having a coffee and my laptop, this is it. Like that's, yes. that's what I want. That's you're so right. And just as you were saying that I was, I, you, I mean, you just, you grabbed the mic before I could, because I was going to say to you that really what I'm pursuing in life is joy and, 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 you know, and the travel, I, I do love traveling. I, you know, I love going to small pubs and getting into nice conversations like this. It's, of course, the conversation, you know, necessarily sort of brings some of that, but it brings to me joy. And so just going to a, a country and traveling through Venice is not going to, that in and of itself doesn't bring joy. If I can't share it with my wife or, you know, or, or with a very good friend or something like this, the joy is not present in the same way. I'm, I'm curious. I'm fascinated. I feel adventurous. You know, I could do a couple of selfies and, you know, and all these sorts of things. doesn't bring me joy, though. What brings me joy is the relationship, as I said, particularly with my wife and the ability to share this with her and, uh, and so forth. So anyways, well, listen, uh, wow. <laughs> you know, I want to just open, uh, open up here and, and just give you, I, I have all the links to everything that will go in the show notes, but I would love for you to just take some, some time to tell everybody what you're up to, what you do, how they can find you, whatever you'd like to share. Nina, please do. Well, thank you so much. I'm so sorry for grabbing the mic from you as well. No, um, I'm so happy I, that you did. <laughs> I genuinely literally could talk with you for days. Yes. And it's such a beautiful conversation. And, and not just a conversation, but the feeling that it brings out, you know, because sometimes I can talk about the same topic, but you talk with someone who doesn't have the same enthusiasm or, you know, it's not, not feeling passionate. And then the conversation is obviously not the same. Um, in terms of where people can find me, well, of course, online. So my website is just www.themidliferevolution.com. You can find me on Instagram under Nina, N-I-N-A underscore The Midlife Revolution. I'm also on LinkedIn under Nina, N-I-N-A S-Z-E-W-C-Z-A-K and the same on Facebook. And what I do is I work with individuals. So I work one-to-one um, -one with people going through midlife revolution or, you know, going through overcoming adversities and, you know, people who don't want to suffer unnecessarily for longer than they need to. And again, going back to, you know, uh, the society thinking that you shouldn't suffer or th there's no need for anger and whatever. Suffering is part of life. And actually, anger is part of life and all the emotions. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's how much you allow that to influence your life that, that makes a difference. So I work with individuals on a variety of, of ways uh, of overcoming adversities and creating the lives that they want, where you actually feel like, you know, I came here for a reason. I was one in 400 trillion and I'm here and I have a, I'm having, you know, a great, great brief experience and I want to make the most of it. Um, I also work with organizations. So I work with the corporate world, uh, predominantly on well-being, mental health, but also leadership change and transformation. And I'm also now working on training people in how to use artificial intelligence. Oh and predominantly, I'm uh, actually just uh, co-wrote a book and we're launching a membership with someone 
I'm very passionate about the fact that um, AI is bringing us incredible opportunity to make a change that's on the biggest scale we've ever seen. So although people see it as, you know, a tool to save time, make things quicker, make things better, that's all super helpful. But actually, majority of artificial intelligence is, is developed and trained by men. So it is biased, just like we have got gender gap everywhere. AI yeah. is perpetuating this, this gender gap because that's how it's being trained. So in order for us to make a difference, this is nothing against men in any way, shape sure, or form, sure, sure, sure. but we know that there is less women in tech. But I think it's so, true. Yeah, I mean, it, it never dawned on me, but I think that's, you know, whether, whether again, we agree or whatever, that's, I think, just a fact, you know. <laughs> Exactly. So by bringing more women into tech and bringing more women to use AI, mm. we can balance it out and then make AI more balanced and less sure. biased, which ultimately will help us as a society, it can help us to reduce gender gap, you know, and it's not just um, it's not just it's going to help women with business. It will, of course, grant it on a daily basis, just like it already does. But there is a much bigger opportunity there to to bring change to society. So that's another thing that I'm involved in. But in general, my biggest passion, which I think is pretty clear, is make the most of your life because it's such an incredible opportunity. Yes, it comes with ups and downs, but ultimately it is a miracle and you're here for a reason and your DNA is one of limited edition for a reason. So don't follow other people's formulas or blueprints because you have your own blueprint within you. You just have to listen to it. Well, and you know, and we we all can attribute to different things. I personally just every morning try to thank God, you know, for all this creation and stuff, you know. But I will also say, Nina, that you know, this conversation with you, listening to you, how you've posed things, I think beyond just your your expertise and your knowledge and wisdom, I think the other thing that you've brought forward, at least for me, but now I'm going to say it to everybody else listening, is that listening to you, I think, shows the value of a coach like you, somebody that can, you know, that, that, that can help you think through things, that can bring a perspective, bring a curiosity, a question, a enthusiasm, all of these things that will help people get to that end goal. And I don't often say that I'm a coach myself, but, but just listening to you brings out that value that, that others who are not familiar with working with a coach is why they engage people like you because that's what you bring to the table is not just answers and wisdom, but curiosity and enthusiasm and even straight talk, you know, which I believe in. So anyways, well, listen, you know, I'm just kind of, I'm only left with one word and that's wow. You know, I'm so grateful that you took the time to speak with me and I know it's later there in, in the UK and, uh, you've probably had a long day, but you, but your enthusiasm is just amazing. And uh, I thank you so much, Nina, for uh, for spending the time with me and sharing with our our, um, our audience. And thank you so much for having me. Honestly, I loved every second and, and we could talk for days. I just love your presence. I love your energy. I love your authenticity. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's been a beautiful, beautiful conversation. And I feel absolutely honored. And yeah, and thank you so much for giving me so much airtime. Um, and I hope that it was helpful for people. I'm always open to, you know, answer any questions for me, authenticity and sharing my story with all the ups and downs and not just sharing my highlight reels is very important because life is in a highlight reel. Nina Shevchek, everybody. Thank you so much, Nina. God bless you. And hope to stay in touch with you, quite frankly. Thank you. And same goes for you.